This is MSO News Sports. I am Bill Newell, and we are joined by Steve Cummings, head football coach at Saugus High School, and we are doing our continuing series of interviews this summer with the North Shore football coaches and getting some insights on their background, their personal experiences and early experiences with football and uh, how they got into coaching and so on to land where they are right now. So, Steve Cummings, welcome. Thanks so much for taking some time to, uh, to join us. Bill, thanks for having me. It's good to talk to you again. Absolutely. Steve, uh, the way we start this off is just so predictable, but think, put the Wayback Machine on for yourself there, and what is the earliest uh, memory that you have of either being around football or playing football or where, wherever? It's in your neighborhood, in your house. What, what, what early memory do you have? Yeah, I mean, so I, I, I lived in Brockton until I was 12 years old. Um, so growing up in Brockton in the 80s, um, they were the number one team in the country. Um, which is kind of weird to say now when you think about how big, you know, high school football has gotten and with all the ESPNs and the whole deal. But like when I was, you know, seven, eight years old, uh, the high, our high school team was the number one team in the country. They were sending guys to D1 programs. I mean, Rocky Marciano's grandson was the quarterback of the team. And it was, it was hard not to, uh, kind of envision yourself playing and, and doing those kinds of things when you grow up in, in that area and in that environment. Yeah. Do you ever hear of this guy called Armin Colombo, Steve? <laughs> yeah, I mean, he was the coach when the, the Colombo family is uh, legendary in Brockton. And, you know, I just think of, like, you know, the Harris brothers. And, you know, we had a kid who lived up the street from me. His name was uh, John Bailey. And he was, you know, I'm, I'm seven years old. He's a senior in high school, and it was like, and it's almost like those like Friday Night Lights things where like people would walk by his house and say, like John Bailey lives there, and he ended up playing football at Iowa. I mean, it was just, uh, you know, it, it was hard to grow up in that area and not be caught up in, you know, that environment of like it, it, that that football team was. You know, it was great because, uh, you know, you're growing up and it was like, it was Brockton football and it was Marvin Hagler. And those were the two big things that, you know, that we always had. And it was, um, you know, from a very young age, football was something that really caught my attention. And, you know, that, that I have to imagine that that had a very, very big part of it. You, you bring up a good point about mentioning Brockton and putting it into the context as, as you did. I, the closest thing that I can think to it uh, that people today might, you know, uh, might think of would be Everett and where they were several years ago and the run that they had. But, but you're, Brockton, won, Brockton did have the national attention, and it was, uh, I, I think you actually described it very well. It was, it was the big program in the state and really the undisputed big program in the state for years. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I remember when when I was younger, they lost a game to Lemonster, and it was like people could not believe it. They couldn't believe it. It was like they they lost somehow. It was it was unheard of. But it's you know it was it was just easy as a young kid, um, you know, going to some of those games on Fridays and Saturdays, just kind of get wrapped up. And you know, you, you, you know, when the first high school game you go to, there's six or seven thousand people there, and like just the atmosphere. It's it, it's hard to not get caught up in that. All right, so organized football. You played? Did you play youth football in Brockton? And then I know you moved later on, but uh, it, yeah, yeah. So I mean, Paul, um, on my uh, where my, where our house was with Pop Warner, we actually ended up playing in Abington, uh, which is the next town over. But um, you know, we started playing there. Me and my brother, yeah, he's a couple years older than me, but I started playing in third grade. Um, and you know, it's just been something that you know. I think that's like 1987. And it's just been part of my life every fall since then. 
Yeah, there you go. Yeah, absolutely. And so now you go on, you you go to Marshfield High School as um, I, for four years I'm, I'm taking, for four years at Marshfield? Yeah, yeah. so we, my family moved to Marshfield uh, when I was going into seventh grade. Um, so I was able to play like two years at Pop Warner and, and then four years at the high school uh, under, you know, legendary coach Lou Silva. Um, and again, I, I look back at my football experience, especially as a young man, and, and I was very fortunate to be able to play for uh, great coaches. You know, not even not only guys that that knew football, but guys that knew how to, you know, mentor young men and, and make sure guys were doing the right things. And you know, all of that. I, I, I'm very very fortunate to have been involved in the programs that I was involved in growing up. I want to, uh, we'll get into some of those uh, coaches in just a moment, who is some of your influences, uh, coaches that influenced you. But let me, let me ask you more about your playing days at Marshfield High School. Where, where did you play, position, and uh, uh, maybe a highlight or two from your playing days at Marshfield? Yeah, I mean, so uh, in high school, I was a tight end and outside linebacker. Um, for my senior year, I was fortunate enough to be part of a, a state championship team. Um, you know, I'd love to tell you that that you know it was <laughs> that I made a huge difference. But I mean, I played with some kids that were uh, just studs. I mean, we had kids that went to you know our running back started four years at Maryland. We had kids in our offensive line that went to BC. I mean, we had college football players all over the place. So I was more of a role player, a uh, guy that just would kind of fit in and do whatever whatever we needed. Um, but it was a great environment. Uh, you know, like I said, being able to play for a guy like Lou Silva. He was a guy who, you know, he, he, you could tell he cared about his players. He made you want to come to practice every day. And, you know, that's just one of the things that, that I've taken from it. It's like if you're, if you're going to do this job, you might as well do it that way because, you know, you want kids to have the memories of the, you know, the great things that they were able to be a part of. And, um, you know, I, I loved my experience in high school. Uh, you know, I was fortunate enough to, to be able to parlay that into a, uh, a four-year college career. Um, but, you know, uh, to be part of a state championship team and, uh, you know, just kind of be in the process of, like, all the little things that had to kind of break right for us. And this was back when, you know, there were no playoffs. You just had to – you won your league and then you played a Super Bowl game and that was it. And, um, you know, a couple things during our regular season that kind of just broke the right way for us to allow us to play that. Um, it, it was just a great experience and a great thing to be a part of. What would that? What would your team's record have been then? Because you, at winning a league title, you don't have to be an undefeated team, but uh, obviously, yeah. So basically, we went nine and two that year. Our um, our regular season was eight and two. Uh, we play, We you know, it was, uh, we beat Whitman Hanson. We lost a game to Rockland, uh, and at the end of the year, um, it ended up being a two way tie for first between us and Whitman Hanson. We had the head to head tiebreaker against them, and you know, that was why we got to play in in the Super Bowl game, and they didn't. Um, but yeah, it was it was a big change. I mean, the year before that, my junior year as a team, we went uh, two and eight. Yeah, and I don't think a lot of people were expecting a lot out of us going into my senior year. Uh, but you know, we we had a good core group of guys that just you know it was it was a very very healthy team environment. Everybody was team first. People didn't care about stats. They didn't care about. They, we just wanted to win football games, and you know we were able to kind of squeak out a couple close ones. I look back on it now and think like, how did we pull that one off? Because if we drop any of those, we don't play. So uh, it was a great year to be a part of. It was a great thing to, you know, just to be into and then to be able to cap off your, your high school playing career with, with a state championship and, you know, in a ring and, uh, you know, being the top of the town, you know, with your teammates. It was, uh, it was a great experience. 
Yeah, you're not the first coach that mentioned having things break the right way uh, in well, whatever the scenario might be, and and that and and that that happens. I mean, things do have to break the right way, and uh, you, you never know how the pieces all all together will fall together at the very end. But uh, having things break the right way during the during the trip is uh, very helpful, I guess. Let let me ask you about uh, your teammates on that team, and because this is for kids listening now. Um, I imagine you still stay in touch with some of these guys uh, that you, that you played with. Absolutely, um, you know, and I live about an hour north of where I went to high school. I live in Wakefield now, so I'm on the North Shore now. You know, but I'm a South Shore guy. Uh, but you know, I, I try to head home a couple times, especially throughout the summer, being a teacher, having some of that time off. But oh yeah, I mean, we I run into guys. You know, and it's and it's funny because you you know every once in a while you might run into a guy that you haven't seen in 20 years and. You just talk about, you know, just little things that happen in practice or happen during, you know, it's not, it's not always the games. It's, it's the little things, you know, it's the, um, oh, do you remember this happened at practice or this, whatever? It's just, you know, you, you always snap right back into it, especially when you're around guys that you played with. And when you're able to play with guys that care and, you know, you have that healthy culture, um, you know, it's just, if, if I bump into a guy that I played with tomorrow, and if I haven't seen him since 1995, I'm sure we've got some of the same stories, some of the same, you know, some of the same memories, and and that's one of the great things about being involved in a sport like this. As old as I get, Steve, I you know it's funny you can just flash back all these years and it's like yesterday. You know what I'm saying? It's just uh, that's what's scary, I guess, right? Maybe, but who knows? Yeah. yeah. So. Now you're at high school, then you go, you're on to Framingham State for college football. So tell me about that process from, from you know, that, that led you from Marshfield High over to Framingham State for college. Yeah, I mean, I, uh, I, mean, I tell you, it was, it was eye-opening, you know, because you go from playing with you know, high school kids, your peers, especially like, you know, you're a senior, so you're on the bigger side of things. And then you walk into a college locker room for the first time and, you know, like there are men in there. There are guys that are 22, 23, have been playing college football, been a part of a college football workout program. Like there's a very big difference between being, you know, I, I had just turned 18, you know, during football camp my senior year. I was, I was always young for my grade. Um, so I mean, so it was eye opening where, you know, the other part was, you know, for me, it was, <clears throat> I was always surprised with, the mental aspect of college football where you had, we had guys that were, you know, they would test, you know, they you'd run like a deer, jump out of the gym. But if you couldn't wrap your head around the playbook, you really couldn't get on the field. So for me, it was one of those things where it's like, okay, I got to get this mental part down because I have to make sure, you know, that that's the only way I'm going to get on the field. So tell me about uh, a note or two from, uh, from some Framingham state games. I'm sorry, what was that? Well, give me a note or two from, uh, from your games at Framingham State. What, what do you remember as far as games are concerned? Well, I mean, I, I remember getting a chance to get on the field during my first college football game when I was a freshman. Um, you know, I was, I was on the field for our opening kickoff of the season, and, uh, you know, it was just kind of a welcome to college football moment. You know, you're, 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 you're all jacked up. you got to run down the field. And, you know, I went, I, I met a kid who, you know, it was probably his fourth year in college. He had had a little bit of an advantage, you know, weight room stuff. Um, but you know, like we collided and it was, it was a little bit different than what I was used to in high school. So it was kind of like, a, okay, this is, this is a different level of ball. You know, it's everywhere. There's guys that are good, you know, and that's one of the things where, you know, when you go to college from high school, you know, in high school, you have some guys that are playing for the first time. You've got some younger guys, whatever, but when you're on a college roster, everybody can play. 
You know, so whether it's special team, show team, whatever, everybody can play. And, you know, that, that was kind of like, okay, this is, there, there are no, there are no plays off. There are no days off. Like everybody at this level is really good. So you got to make sure that you have, you know, your mental stuff down. Um, and then just going all the way through to my senior year, you know, when you, you, you talk about the mental aspect of football. And I remember being a senior in college when we were at camp and we were having our position meetings. And I just kind of had this little flashback of like how lost I was when I was a freshman. You know, I just felt like I didn't know anything. I felt like I was never going to pick it up to the point where you're, you know, you're a senior and you're like, this, okay, I get this now. Like, just you, you, you get so much more mature from a scheme standpoint, having been in it for four years. Uh, the terminology is the same, you know, and you, you kind of look back to like, man, I wish I, I, I wish I was this smart when I was in high school, when I was a freshman, cause I could have been a lot better, but it's one of those, it, it's a process and you got to be willing to let that process play out. I talk to my guys at, at Saugus all the time. Like when you go to college, you are going to be overwhelmed. You just have to get over that hump. It's over. It's a lot. They're going to ask a lot of you. They're going to throw a lot at you. But if you can mentally get over that hump, like eventually you're going to get to practice and it'll just click. You know, there are going to be days where you feel like you, you're the only one that doesn't get it. You're doing the wrong thing all the time. But then all of a sudden, it's just, oh, I get it now. Like, it's just, it becomes like second nature. And like, I just, I always think back to like the difference, me mentally, from being, you know, an 18-year-old freshman to being a 22-year-old senior and just the, the, the development in, in me, you know, from a mental aspect. And that was, that's something that I'll always remember. We um, ask we ask the coaches about their coaching influences. So maybe you can share a note or two on your coaching influences, whatever level that might be, and even whatever sport that might be. But maybe you could just start with um, with the Framingham State coaching staff or your coaches at Framingham State, and then go from there. But uh, uh, you know, tell me about that the Framingham State coaches and uh, and then your other coaching influences that you've had. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I was I was fortunate enough to play for a legendary high school football coach. Uh, you know, Lou Silva has, you know, multiple state championships, 200 plus wins, um, you know, but for me, it was always, you know, the man, like who he was, how he demanded more out of you. And I, and I tell people this all the time, you know, if you want to talk about the, you know, Lou Silva's career, his wins are probably like seventh on the list of most impressive things that he does. It's how he treats his players, how he runs his program, how he holds you to a higher standard. Like those are the kinds of things that, you know, make you as a young player want to get into this profession because you, you remember the impact that people had on you and you want to be able to give that back. Uh, in college, I was, uh, I was able to play under the same head coach uh, my entire career, uh, Mike Strachan, who is now the head football coach at North Attleboro. Um, and, you know, very different in terms of how he you know, ran his program, but, you know, just another guy who, you know, a little bit more intense, but, you know, you could tell he cared about you. You could tell he, you know, he was always checking on if he grades, checking in everything was all right. I mean, he was just a really good, you know, a very impressionable time in my life being the age that I was. Um, to have a guy there, you know, and again, when I talk to guys now, it's very rare to have the same college head coach when you play at a smaller level because everybody wants that other job. So to be able to have the same coach for, for you know four, and then I was able to grad assist for for a fifth year, um, you know, he had a huge impact on me. Uh, the year that I grad assisted, just to be able to you know have him throw stuff at me and say, hey, listen, you got to figure this out. We can do this. Um, it's really when I kind of got the 
you know, the, 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 the idea that like, this is something I want to do. I want to make sure that I can set up stuff where I can, you know, I want to do this for a very long time. And, and that was kind of where, where those seeds got planted. Yeah, you, you just mentioned the piece about being a grad assistant and what he was asking you to do. To, to me, that, you know, you, you, you mentioned the mental part, you know, knowing the plays, the schemes, the system. But to me, it sounds like that just takes it to another level. That gets you thinking as a coach, not just as a player wanting to succeed. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's funny because you go from, you know, high school and young college where all you're really focused on is like, okay, what do I have to do on this play? You know, you don't want to mess up. You want to make sure that you know what you, you're doing. And as you start getting a little bit older and you start understanding schemes, you start understanding why. You know, it's like, okay, I know where I'm supposed to be blocking. I know what direction I need to go. But here's why. Here's what the next guy next to me is doing. And here's the setup that we're trying to do. And here's what we're trying to run next. And that's just that maturity process of being, you know, involved in the game where it's just everything opens up. You know, like I, 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 uh, when I, my first high school job, I, I got to work a year uh, at Canton High School uh, down the South Shore with Tom Bresnahan. And, you know, I was up in the booth for one of my first games, and, you know, there's 22 kids running around. <laughs> and they ran a play. They beat us on a run play, and he's on the radio with me, and he's like, what, what'd they do? And I was like, I don't know. You know, I just I couldn't process that kind of information that fast at, at that point. Um, I was like, I'm trying to watch 22 guys do, you know, 22 different things in real time. You know, it was hard, and it's like, I, I think I watch film now, and it's like, you just kind of see things over and over again. We're like, okay, this is what they did. We're like, you really don't have to see it to know what it was because you understand concepts, and you understand how things move. Um, but it's just one of those things where, like, <clears throat> every time you, you kind of get in a position to take on a little bit more responsibility. Um, and just, you know, mentally being able to wrap your head around, like, okay, th- th- if I look here, I can kind of figure everything else out. But it's, it's always a learning process. He probably didn't say back to you up in the headset there in the booth, uh, hey, uh, take your time, Steve. We'll figure it out in a few weeks. Uh, huh? No, it's key to the moment. And again, like, I, I had to really humble myself. I, was, I literally yeah. had to say, like, I, I told him this during the game. I said, Coach, I don't know. And at halftime, he was like, what's going on there? I go, Coach, I, I can't tell you what all 22 people I got. It's too much. You know, I was up there by myself, and I was kind of like, I, <laughs> I know you could probably do it right now, but I, I couldn't. So he was like, okay. Do me a favor. Let's just cut it down. You know, it's like, it's one of those things where like in that scenario, that coach could have lit me up. You know, how dare you not know whatever unprepared, but he got it. You know, at that time I was 22, 23 years old. Um, and he, he worked with me, he said, listen, here's what I want you to do. Just focus on the line play. I'll, I'll, from the field, I can figure out the receiver stuff. Just give me the line stuff. And that was a huge learning experience for me was like, you know, maybe seven out of ten coaches will just get over a young, like you get all over a young coach for just not doing what they what, what they think they can do. And it's, you know, it's something that I've always kept in mind of like, I've been doing this for a really long time. Maybe the person that I'm talking to hasn't. So you've got to be aware that not everybody is at the level that you're at. They haven't been around as many things as you've been around. And you always have to take that stuff into consideration if you want to be able to build, you know, programs and keep coaches around and keep kids playing. It's uh, it's it's all. There's always something. You know, it's funny since um, since we're we're not actually broadcasting games like we used to. Where sometimes I find myself up in the booth. Sometimes I'm um, where the coaches are. 
uh, with the role that you just had. Sometimes I'm down on the field, and it's and to be honest with you, I listen to the coaches. Um, I'm not that I take notes or anything like that, but they don't know everything either. Uh, first, when the first thing happens, sometimes after the team does it to them a couple of times, whatever it is, that they pick up on it. But you're right; not you don't always necessarily pick up exactly what you need to do to uh, to mix it up to to match that um, objective, if you will, of the opponent. Yeah. I mean, I, I had a pretty steep learning curve, so I, I ended up at Wakefield in 2008, and I was the freshman coach. And, you know, part of being the freshman coach is, you know, you coach your freshman team, but then you go scout. You know, you got to go scout whoever they're playing next. And, you know, in 2008, we didn't have huddle. We didn't have, you know, all this stuff where you can just put everything out. You couldn't just watch a team on YouTube because there, there was hardly any film. And in the league that we had, the Middlesex League at the time, we weren't exchanging films. So... I would have to go scout teams and hand draw every play that I saw. So it's like you got to get really good at kind of figuring out what they did because that's really what they have to base their entire scouting report next week's opponent on is what you drew up. So, you know, me and, and one of my other freshman coaches would go and kind of just say, hey, listen, I'll take this piece, you take that piece. Let's try to get as much of this right as possible. Um, you know, but it was – I look back at, like, how hard that was, but also it was – I probably learned a lot more that year, um, you know, than just being able to sit down and watch film and rewind stuff and rewatch or whatever. Because, you know, they're not going to run that play again. You can't ask anybody what just happened. You got to be, you really got to be on. Um, you know, so it, one of the things is just being able to work your way through the ranks, having all these different kinds of jobs and different kinds of responsibilities. It, it, it pays off huge in the long run because, you know, with guys on your staff, everyone's kind of starting at a different point. You've got to be like, hey, listen, I've done it. This is what I need you to do. Here's, I get it. I understand the problems you're going to have, but, like, I've been there myself. And when, when you can put yourself in that and relate to people that way, you know, it, it makes delegating stuff a, a lot easier when you can kind of, you know, talk with people and be like, hey, I've been there. I know it. Sorry about that. There's a train coming through my backyard. That's all right. We got it. Um, but I, I, like I said, I got. I was really fortunate from a young coach standpoint to be able to, you know, be put in situations where, you know, you kind of had to learn real fast and you had to to do things on the fly. And you know, I, I wouldn't trade that experience for anything because I think it had a huge impact on just, you know, how I'm able to see things moving forward. Steve, I want to just digress for a second here. Tell our listeners. What do you have available now as a high school coach uh, here on the North Shore in particular for video that's available to you now? Because I actually really don't know the answer. I have, a, I have a piece of the answer, I think. But what do you have available to you to, to watch teams, your opponents, in the, for the coming weeks? What's, what is out there? Because it's not just a film exchange like it used right. to be. Yeah, I mean, so like back in the day, you would have to you know, burn DVDs and then you would meet a coach somewhere. You know, if you were playing in two weeks, you'd find a, a middle ground, you'd meet each other, you'd trade a couple DVDs of, of film so that way you could put together a scouting report. Uh, nowadays, we have this website called Huddle, um, which you upload all your game film onto and then whoever you're playing next week, you just share. You know, it's, it's, a, it's like a, a film sharing website and everybody on the state's on it. Uh, it's made things a lot easier. Um, you know, especially if you're playing a team that's really far away, not having to wait for a team to send you a video. Um, and I'll be honest, you know, I think one of, you know, COVID was a really hard time, but one of the things that came out of it was, uh, schools realizing the capability they had to broadcast games. So you can find a lot of teams games on YouTube because, you know, when, when COVID happened and nobody could be in the stadiums and nobody could be in the, the gyms, a lot of schools started live streaming everything. And 
they haven't stopped because, you know, again, it's like your grandparents, they might live in Florida, but now they can go on the computer and they can watch you play. They can watch one of your games. And it's one of the good things. It's, it's also got its downsides because now you know that like every team you play has your film too. But, um, it, it, it's, there's so much information available. Uh, like I said, you're guaranteed two films from the opponent that you're playing. But I mean, if you if you can get on the internet and, and just kind of you know work a search engine, you can find films on teams, and, and, and that helps you kind of put together tendencies and you know things like that. But it's it's definitely uh, there's a lot more information available to coaches now than there was you know in the mid two thousands. All right, Steve, I'm going to combine two questions into one for you here because you've really kind of touched on a lot of this stuff already in the, out of these two questions. But, you know, maybe tell our listeners, you know, tell me your coaching style, your philosophy, if you will, strengths, so on, and then maybe how you may have evolved, for, you know, uh, from an assistant coach, um, you know, grad assistant, you know, an assistant coach at the high school level on to being a head coach. So, I mean, that's a lot in that question, but, uh, you know, how maybe – I'm sure you can handle it, though. You've been, you've been throwing tougher questions. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you no, know, I'd like to think that you know. I, I for me, being a head football coach, like everything's on you, and, and it starts with your culture. Um, how do your kids? You know, how how are they? Not just when they're on the field, but when they're in the building, when they're in the community. You know, you always want your kids portraying your your program the right way. You want parents being really comfortable. That their kids get to come down and spend you know, three hours every day in the fall with you. Like, you want to be able to have that trust in, in, the, in the parents. So, you know, a lot of it comes from just treating the kids the right way. You know, being strict but fair. Um, holding kids accountable when they need to be held accountable. But at the same time, you know, making sure that they can develop a love for the game. And, you know, again, I, I got really lucky uh, in my younger years being able to play for, for guys who got that. Because, you know, I went to college and, and I played with a lot of kids who didn't like their high school experience. They didn't have a good relationship with their coach. They didn't feel like they were supported or cared for or anything like that. So those are the things that I try to do, um, you know, wherever I am. Uh, and then just the, the, the process of going from like an assistant coach to a freshman coach to a coordinator to a head coach. I mean, there's always something new. Um, like I remember when I was the freshman coach at Wakefield, after the third year, I wanted more, you know, and I, I wanted to expand on what I was already doing. So I said, you know what, I, I went in, I talked to Mike Boyages, who was a, a great coach over at Wakefield High for a lot of years, you know, won state titles and, and won, you know, Mike was very instrumental in my development as a coach because Mike was always giving me more to do. Um, you know, so being able to go, you know, when I was a freshman coach, I kind of felt like, you know, I, I think I'm really starting to get this. And then you make the bump up to varsity, you know, defensive coordinator, and you're like, wow, I really didn't know as much as I thought I did. And then it's the same thing when you go to a head coach. You think, you know, you, you do the coordinator thing for a while, and your head coach kind of passes some stuff down for you. But until you actually do it and you're actually there, there's really not a lot of ways to prepare for it. So, I mean, for me, a lot of it is just, you know, be willing to accept that you don't know everything. You know, you have to do that because you don't. There are going to be things that pop up. Like, again, take COVID, for example. We were all going through that at the same time together. So, like, as a coach, there was nobody you could call and say, hey, how are you guys handling this? Because we were all figuring it out on the fly. And there's always going to be little things like that. You know, like, I've been a head coach now for eight years. And I'm sure something will pop up this year that, com that comes completely out of left field that we just have to, we, we got to handle this. 
You know, this could be something that could make or break our season. So we have to make sure we handle this the right way. Um, but you have that mindset of like, you know, I've never been like a my way or the highway type guy. Like, I, listen, I'll, I, I want information from people. I'll go talk to other coaches about, hey, what are you guys doing? Hey, what happens if you see this? And that's one of the benefits to have been doing this job for so long is I feel like I have a very, very strong coaching community that, that I can reach out to, whether it's guys that I played college ball with that are coaching in the area, guys that I've coached with before, just guys that I've met through clinics, guys that I've met through seven-on-seven stuff. To be able to have a community of guys that have been through stuff, um, maybe it's not the exact same thing, but like just, just people that have experience that you can lean on, it's a big part of this job because, like I said, we're working with 14- to 18-year-old kids. Everybody's got a different circumstance. Everyone's you know, got a different group of guys. To be able to have people that you can rely on, to be able to have people that you can you know, bounce questions off of or just get some feedback from, you know, you, you have to continue to learn. Like, I'm 45 years old, and I plan on doing this job for, for a lot longer. And I want to be able to look back on, you know, whenever I decide to, to finish, I want to look back on when I was 45 and be like, wow, I progressed a lot from that age. You know, so it's like, there's a lot of times where you feel like you kind of have things figured out, and you're like, this is what we'll be able to do. But, you know, this, this game, it changes. The game changes. The culture of the kids change. you got to be able to adapt to those changes. And, you know, that's what I'm hoping to continue to do. Um, you know, like I said, I'm sure this year some things are going to pop up and it, it'll, it, it, it'll be hard, but it makes you a better coach. Um, it makes you a better, you know, it helps you deal with your kids better. It helps you. And it's just another thing that you can kind of put in your coaching toolbox and say, like, all right, so if that happens again, at least we have a little bit of ground to work with. But um, it, my, my thing that I've always kind of hung my hat on is, like, you've got to understand that you don't know everything. You're never going to, so you've got to continue to learn it doesn't matter what your job title is. It doesn't matter what school you're at. You're going to learn every year. And, you know, you have to be able to allow that process to happen. You know, Steve, I really like, like you saying that because I think, you know, you and I, we, you know, we all work with, we've worked with so many different people over our lives, whether it be in the schools or outside of schools. And there are some people that seem to know everything or they think that they do. And, and I'm thinking that if I'm a parent and I'm sending my, my, my son or daughter to school and they have a teacher in their classroom, I want the teacher that doesn't think they know everything. I want the teacher that's still looking to learn, still looking for the right answers or a better answer. You know what I'm saying? I, I think that means a lot. And that, that umbrella, if you will, if you will of that uh, statement that you made, I think uh, works pretty well uh, up and down the line of what your duties are as an assistant coach or a head coach for sure. Yeah, like I said, it's just one of those things where, you know, you can watch, you know, game film from, you know, the, the, the late 90s, high Division One game film, you know, Florida State, Nebraska, whatever, and you compare that to what's going on today, and it's a completely different game. You know, so either you, you adapt or the game's going to pass you by. And when the game passes you by, you know, it's really hard to engage with kids because they want to be involved in, like, all the new stuff. You know, like, I, I, I remember being a high school coach when, everyone started running spread and it was like nobody really knew how to do it or how to be effective with it but it was just that thing that was like this is going to help get kids into our program the ball gets out guys are getting the ball in space but that was it like you had to be able to adapt like you don't see a lot of teams running wishbone anymore or just lining up in the eye and smashing the ball at you because you know that's the game has changed it's going to continue to change and then and you have to kind of embrace it because if you don't the game's going to pass you by, um, you know, and it's, it's, it's just really hard to recover from stuff like that. 
All right, Steve, I think I'm down to just about one last question here. And we've asked coaches this question. Had some great answers, by the way. But is is there a football game that you've watched on TV, high school, uh, high, well, high school, college, professional game, or been at as a coach, a scout, or whatever, played in that kind of stands out? And please, you know, pick, feel free to pick a couple of games that, you know, in a, an impactful game that you keep thinking about, you know, through your years as coach, uh, at, in coaching. Uh, is there such a game or two? I mean, we talked earlier about how, you know, I was fortunate enough to be on a state championship team when I was in high school. Um, you know, we, and we won our league on a tiebreaker. One of the games that we won that year, uh, we were down nine with a minute left. Um, we scored to cut it to two, went for the onside kick, didn't get it. And all, you know, we, we were playing Hingham at Hingham. Um, you know, there's about 40 seconds left and we have one timeout. So they literally just have to kneel on the ball twice and this game's over. Uh, and they, and they fumbled the kneel down. They, they fumbled it and we were able to recover it. We drove down and we kicked a field goal with no time left. Um, to be a part of that game, it's still a little bit surreal. Uh, it's funny cause you know, I was working at a bar down in Marshfield about 10 years ago and, and a, a kid who had played you know, a lot of years after I did was, was he brought it up and I said, yeah, I was, I was on that team. And he goes, that really happened? He goes, we always thought that was like a made-up story so that coaches would be like, oh, you're never out of a game, you know, whatever. I'm like, no, guys, that was, that was legitimately why we went to a Super Bowl. Like, we, we caught the ultimate break, but, like, if guys on our defense weren't, like, geared up and into it, maybe we don't fall on the ball. Maybe they fumble, but they fall on it. You know, so... When we talked earlier, I said a lot of things had to break right. I mean, I'm, I'm being honest with you, like a lot of things had to break right, but you know, sometimes you make your own breaks. Sometimes you've got to be able to capitalize on mistakes. Um, that is a game that, to me, it always sticks out to me because, you know, on Friday night sometimes, like, hey, it looks bleak. But you know what? Maybe we just catch one break. One break will turn this whole thing around. Um, you know, just being a young kid, I mean, and I was talking with, uh, with a guy from another uh, news publication. He asked me about the, the greatest play I ever saw. And, you know, it, it was 1994, Colorado, Michigan. Uh, and Cordell Stewart threw a 75-yard Hail Mary at Michigan to win the game with no time left. And I'm watching that game, and I'm saying to myself, like, he, there's no way. You can't throw a ball that far. But he did. He threw it 75 yards to the goal line. Guy makes a great play, and the place is going wild. And, and, and for me, it's just always been that, like, you can never count yourself out. You're never really out of it. Like, you, if you start believing you're out of it, you might start believing yourself. But if you just keep plugging along, if you just keep working, you know, you, you've seen strange things happen. You know, I'm not a huge Patriots fan, but watching that Patriots-Falcons Super Bowl <laughs> – if the Patriots hang their head down 28-3, to three, that comeback never happens. So, it, and, and that kind of goes back to how we talk about culture. You know, if your culture is, it doesn't, the scoreboard doesn't matter. We're going to go out and work every single play. We're going to make our own breaks. We're going to do things, and eventually, things are going to break right. When those things happen, and there's a lot of examples of it that, you know, you watch football long enough, you're just going to see these things happen. And it comes from... Just guys believing that they can do it. And that's not just from that day. That's how you run your program. That's Tuesday at practice. That's running drills in August. That's not just that day. You know, like they said, that Patriots come back. And that didn't happen on the sideline that day. That's just who they were. That's how Bill Belichick runs his program. Is we're never out of it. We keep playing. 
And those are the things that I, I always look back on because I've, I've had, I've been fortunate enough to be a part of a few games where it's like that one almost got that that one really could have gotten away from us. Yeah. You know, one of the other games that I'm, I'm really really proud of is when I was the defensive coordinator in Wakefield in 2011. We played a really really good Marblehead team in the in the first round of the playoffs, uh, and they they took their first drive down the field, scored, missed the extra point. And then throughout the game, we turned the ball over a couple times deep in our own territory, but they couldn't put that second score up. We just kept telling ourselves, they had every opportunity to put us away. we got to take advantage. And we ended up scoring a touchdown and kicking an extra point with about 30 seconds left to win a playoff game to go to the Super Bowl. But again, it was just one of those things where, you know, everything, we really couldn't get out of our own way. But we, we kept it close enough where we could still swing it back in our own you know, in our own favor, and you know, those are the games that you look back on. And you go like, you can pick out after you after you play it. You can say, oh, this one, this could have broken our back here. This could have been where this game really got put away. But you know, when you have the ability to coach kids up to the point where they just buy into what we're doing, you know, that's when you open up the door to them doing great things where they can have the stories. Now, again, I'm I'm sure every coach that was on that Marshfield team when they fumbled the kneel down. I'm sure they look back on it the exact same way that I do. Where it's like we were we were dead to rights. We were it was over. One more kneel down, that game's over. We don't win a league title, we don't play for a state championship, we don't nothing. But something broke right for us. Um, and that's just you know, those are the things I always look at in this game where it's like the ball bounces funny ways sometimes, and you know you, you got to capitalize on the breaks when you get them, and you got to try to avoid being on the other side of it because you know I've also been a, a, you know a part of some really heartbreaking losses as well. Um, but it's it's the beautiful part of this game is you know you get to be a part of things like that things that stick with you for for a long time and you know it, everyone's kind of got you know when, when people are involved in this sport everyone's kind of got their stories and it's just nice to be able to get around people and talk because it's uh, you know it, it I wouldn't trade being a football coach for the world. Steve, I got to I got to circle back to that story you mentioned that the Hingham game, the fumble, uh, telling the story, or then having being questioned about that story by the younger, by the younger uh, student, if you will, uh, and and it and it it speaks to me like you never know what kids are thinking. You know what I mean? I worked in schools. I worked with kids too. You never know what they're thinking, and the fact that they thought. Well, that probably really didn't happen. <laughs> you know, that's just a story they tell us. The skepticism, if you will, yeah? Yeah, I mean, it, it's funny because it's like, you know, and I'm sure the field goal's gotten longer and longer, you know, <laughs> as the years go by. Like, in my head, it was a 60-yard field goal that he hit. You know, it was probably a 35-yard. <laughs> but, I mean, the, 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 the fact of the matter is, like, it literally was down to, like, if they just execute one kneel down, that game's over. And, you know, it was funny because, again, this kid might have been 10 years, whatever. And he just was like, I can't believe that's a real story. Like, we've always been like, okay, they're going to say that. Like, you know, because they'd go into halftime, they'd be down. They'd say, like, you know, hey, we're never out of it. There was a time in 95, this happened, or whatever. And, and kids just, like, I don't really think that happened. Um, you know, but, but I, mean, I was there. And it's, uh, it's still, you know, and like it, it, being a part of a game like that, Whenever it's a one-score game and there's a kneel down happening, I still get uneasy. Whether I'm on one side or the other, you know, I still get a look at them like because I've seen it. I've seen it go wrong. Like really, I think of like how excited we were. I can't imagine what it was like in their locker room after. Oh my word! Yeah, you know, to be on the other side of it, it must have been excruciating. So like to to see a game that actually ended like that again, like kneel downs, I'd never take for granted. Ever. I mean, even when we practice them, I always tell my quarterback, like, hey, I, and I tell, I think every kid that's ever played for me knows that story. <laughs> because, you know, you're talking about what should be the simplest play in the world. 
ended up changing the trajectory of, of an entire program. Um, so it's just, you know, yeah, to be, to be a part of that. And like, and I say it was funny cause the kid was dumbfounded. He was like, I, we never thought he thought maybe like, you know, we made a sport that and I was like, no, they literally fumbled a meal down and we were able to capitalize on it. And my kid was like, yeah, we, we never believed that story for a second. I was like, no, nope, it, it was 100% true. <laughs> well, let me just tell our listeners right now. Uh, I mean, folks, he sounds convincing to Steve Cummings with his story. Uh, whether it's true or not, well, you decide. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> if, if, uh, if you go on Marshfield, if you go on Marshfield High's uh, webpage, they have video of it. Okay. Wilhelm from WATD uh, down there has the call. We have the live call. It's, uh, okay. again, it's one of the most surreal football games I've ever been a part of. And the, the funny part about the game was we were supposed to play on a Saturday, but we had a monsoon rainstorm. So the game got moved to Sunday. So we were the only team in our league playing. So every other team in our league was there watching. Well, and that, and that radio station, by the way, has done a great job covering local sports over the years, WATD. So good shout-out to them. Worthwhile. That's a nice job. Yeah. One of my buddies from high school still has the cassette tape with the call on it. It's just, <laughs> it, it, it gives me goosebumps to this day when I hear him yell, you know, Ben Loomis lines up, kick, it's good. And he starts going wild in the stands. It's just, it's, yeah. I mean, if it was in a movie, you wouldn't believe it. No, exactly. Right. Here's, here is the absolute last question, Steve. Uh, just a fast one here. Uh, we know you're, as coaches, you guys are always thinking about football every day, 365 days a year. But today, you're, you're, you're getting ready for the season. It's still a few days away, the practices. But what are, what are you thinking about, first and foremost, right now about Saugus football? What concerns you? I mean, I don't really have it. I mean, concerns aren't, you know, those will pop up. You know, when you're in the preseason, you know, I always joke around with guys, like, everything looks good on the whiteboard. Every play you draw, be like, oh, this is going to go, this is going to go, this, you know, everything looks fantastic. The concerns when you get into the into the season, you know, you guys are going to get banged up. Okay, what are we going to do if this happens? What are we going to do, you know, so I don't really spend a lot of time worrying about things that are out of my control, you know, like... Right now, I think we've done a great job in the offseason. We've had great turnouts at our offseason workouts. Our captains have been fantastic, you know, leading. Those are the things that I, that I look at. You know, I, my job is to handle, you know, the, the bad things when they happen. But that's, not, that's never going to be my focus. You know, I'm never going to worry about when this is going to happen. Like, when it happens, we'll deal with it. But, you know, we're about, you know, we want to be positive about stuff. We want to make sure that, you know, the kids are excited about the year coming up and what we're going to be able to do with them. All that other stuff we'll handle. But I mean, as far as concerns right now, well, it's, we, we haven't practiced a day yet. We're still 100% healthy. So <laughs> there, are, there are no concerns right now. It's just excitement and eagerness to be able to get on the field next Friday. Well, Steve, why don't you worry about the weather or something like that? You should worry about something. Come on now. I learned a long time ago. You can't worry about things that are out of your control. Like, I can't do it. We might get lightning the first day. All right, we'll just go inside. But, like, I'm not going to worry about it because I can't control that. You know, I can control practices. I can control sessions that we do at practice. That's it. You know, so things that are out of my control, they don't waste uh, a a minute of of headspace for me because you can't do anything about it anyway. 
Folks, I've challenged him. I tried, but you're right. There you go. Well, Steve, thanks so much. We really appreciate your time, your insights. Uh, great stories, by the way. And, uh, and, and actually, we appreciate being able to learn a little bit more about you as a uh, player and coach. And, uh, and we'll look forward to talking to you again very soon when we talk about this current Saugus team and the games, the matchups, and so on. But we'll certainly be in touch. Awesome, Bill. Thank you for everything you guys do for high school sports. Um, you know, it's the, the kids always love you know reading the articles and seeing the names in the paper, and, the, and the, you guys do a great job over there at MSO. And um, you know, it's, it's been it's been a lot of fun being able to talk with you guys, and you know, kind of reaching out and giving people a little insight into what's going on. I mean, it only helps build the sport. Well, well, thank you so much for those kind words. And on that note, we'll stop. That's Steve Cummings, head football coach at Saugus High School. I'm Bill Newell here on MSO NewSports.com.